Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden. This is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 200, I've invited back Jim and Lynn Jackson of Connected Families to talk about entitlement. But a big one is that we as parents feel entitled to grateful, hardworking kids. <laughs> and when we when we don't get them and we have ungrateful, uh, resistant to chores kids, then we get pretty upset. And that shows I feel entitled to have things go my way in the home instead of like, oh, wow, we got some challenges here that I could partner with Jesus and really dive into. Boy, oh boy, is this going to be a good one. Is your family, like mine, struggling with a lack of motivation and lots of bad attitudes? For myself and my kids, but with my kids, I feel like I give them more than enough, but they never seem grateful. It's like they expect me to fix things and make them happy. They want what their friends want, and they shouldn't have to do anything hard. Well, you're not alone. And as parents, we aren't trying to have entitled kids. We're doing our best to turn things around, but we're exhausted and we feel defeated by all this pressure. So I'm bringing some help. (laughs) I'm bringing Jim and Lynn Jackson back from Connected Families, and they're going to talk to us about their new online course, The Entitlement Fix. You can go check it out over at godcentermom.com forward slash entitlement. You'll find that you can sign up for these four sessions. They're 20 to 30 minutes each. You're going to get some tools, biblical perspective, and a lasting fix for the entitlement issues in your home. But today we're going to touch on some of these topics. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Jim and Lynn back in the house. Welcome to the show. (laughs) We love being in a big house in Texas. Yeah, that's right. You're all in my closet. Um, no, we're not actually <laughs> together, the y'all. Our house. I, we wish no. we were, though. Yeah, you should be because it's a lot better here. It's a lot better. <laughs> Tell everybody where you are and the name of your ministry, uh, just in case they haven't heard of who you all are. All right. We are in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and there is still a bunch of snow on the ground for anybody that cares. Um, <laughs> and we have a ministry called Connected Families. Um, We partner with churches and all sorts of organizations and wonderful podcasters to help parents embody God's grace and truth to their kids. Yep. Lynn and I, for the last, wow, how many years now? Lots. Since the early 1990s have been doing everything we can to pay attention to parenting. We paid a lot of attention to our own parenting, a lot of the mistakes that we made, Mm -hmm. even continue as parents of kids now in their 30s and and younger. (laughs) We still make mistakes and get uptight and say things and do things we wish we hadn't done. But we've been paying attention to our parenting, to other people's parenting, and we put together you know, the little framework that we call the Connected Families Framework that really is the lens of everything that we do at Connected Families to to inspire, equip parents in practical ways, um, not just to have good kids and good families, but um, really to to raise kids to know and love Jesus and who understand what God's grace is about and, and whose hearts have been tilled by the nature of parenting to be fertile soil for the gospel as they grow and become accountable for their lives. So good. And you all have how many kids? We have three, um, 30, 27, and 26. I wouldn't, right, have got the, so. I wouldn't have got the numbers right. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's why we good, bring Lynn along. Jim, for the details. <laughs> well, there's there's um, many more reasons you'll find out shortly that we bring Lynn along. <laughs> 
And I, I told Jim and Lynn uh, that last week's episode was on discipline and toddlers and how Haley and Meredith and I spent a lot of time talking about the first two messages in the Connected Families framework. Y'all heard us reference this <laughs> mysterious pyramid. And you're probably like, what is this pyramid? Heather and Haley keep talking about. Well, it's comes from Connected Families. There are four layers to the pyramid. Uh, I put a picture of it in the show notes from last week. I might do it again this week. But Jim and Lynn came up with that. And so, like I said, the foundation, um, why don't you go through the four layers since I don't think we did last week. Just yeah. a brief overview. Yeah. So we talk about four actions that parents uh, have found really helpful to attend to and and then four messages that grow out of those four actions. So I'll, I'll tell you quickly the four actions which are the the parents ought to focus really hard on building a strong foundation, a foundation of faith, of insight about themselves, about their past, about the baggage they bring with them into parenting. Uh, The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, it invites us, even commands, to take uh, every thought captive to Christ's obedience and to be people who are growing in strength, in God's grace and in God's truth. And that's what growing a strong foundation is. And then we never get it perfect out of that place of, of our own growth. And our we get our identity from Jesus, not from the behavior of our kids when our foundation is strong. Um, you know, then we connect with our kids. We connect with them uh, by making sure that we find ways through the thick and thin of their development um, to enjoy them. Even when life gets difficult, even when they get crabby or we get crabby, we get back to this place of connection. Uh, and then we grow from there toward, uh, it, like, those are the things we need to do as parents to win the influence needed to coach our kids. And that's the third level is to, to become our kids coach. Uh, coaches don't do their best work when people are out on the game field playing the game. Coaches do their best work in practice and they make it fun and they do repetitious things and they high five successful little steps that are made uh, toward the end of learning the game. Uh, And then correction is something we also are compelled by the Bible to do with our kids. Uh, uh, We're 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 invited uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as Christians, to to address misbehavior with grace. And when we do that, when we correct uh, our kids' behavior as parents, it really is for the purpose of helping them remember what's true about them, no matter how they behave. And that's what the four messages are about. Right, so that foundation, um, kind of when we really understand what's going on inside of us and we bring God's grace and truth into our hearts to, to replace the lies that might be making life difficult, when we do that, we can communicate a message to our kids that you are safe with me. I'm not going to throw my baggage at you. I am really going to calm down and consider what's the best thing for you in the long run, in the big picture. Um, as we, as kids feel safe, then our love can get through to them and we can communicate this message. You are loved no matter what that flows out of the connect action. Um, you're, you're loved and enjoyed, but you're loved even when you really have messed up. And that's because God loves us right here in this messy moment. When kids know that they're safe and loved, then they're going to be able to receive our messages of you're capable uh, to do better. You're capable to make wiser choices, to use your gifts for good things, not misbehavior, um, to make wise decisions, to solve problems with people in the family. Um, you are capable. And that flows out of Ephesians 2.10. Of our kids are God's workmanship created for good things. 
Um, and then, as kids sense that we are working to build capability, then they also are much more open to us holding them accountable, which is really the final message of you are responsible for your actions. Um, this isn't about I'm going to punish you so painfully that you won't ever do that again while I'm around, <laughs> but it's about you are accountable to make right what you've made wrong. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing that God calls us to do. Doesn't that sounds simple, guys? <laughs> Just do all that. So simple. Transformed well, in 15 minutes. What's, what's fascinating for me, so, so Lynn and I, and this is really a matter of confession, Lynn and I have been thinking through yeah. this lens for many, many years. Um, and the more that we, we attend to our actions and attitudes as parents through these four simple actions and, and messages, um, the more sort of intuitive it becomes to act according to those things. But, but the truth is, uh, I still very rarely to this day, even, even in addressing my older kids, am guided in the moment by these four things. Like I, 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 I do them, but I don't think about them as much. Because we've made this little game of, of, of practicing our way through. And then when we have challenges, Lynn and I between each other, or, or uh, back in the day with our young kids in the home, when we had challenges with our kids, you know, we would, we would, at first we would go to that default question, which is, okay, one of our kids misbehaved this way again for the 50th time this week, and I'm getting sick of it, and we need to do something different to nip this in the butt. I mean, that's, that's kind of the attitude that I would go right. at it with, and, and Lynn would be there to remind me, or vice versa, we mm -hmm. helped each other out this way, um, to say, well, let's think this through the lens of the framework. Why, are, why am I so upset about this today? Why did it happen yesterday and I wasn't as upset as I am today? Uh, did it have anything to do yeah. with the fact that my parents were watching me this time? Or uh, did it have, you know, did it have something to do with what happened at work today? Or, you know, so there's some foundational issues. And then, and then w w Jim, what do you want to do? You seem really, you seem really angry at, at one of the kids right now. What do you want to do to make sure when you feel this way that they know that, that, that their actions didn't cost them your love? And how do you want to communicate love to them? Like, oh, yeah, I really want to do that. And then I would go back and I would say, gosh, I didn't like what I did. I want you to know I'm sorry that you didn't feel safe with me and that I wasn't loving. Here's what I want you to know before we address your misbehavior. And then we would address the misbehavior and it would be altogether different than it, than it was the first run through when my anger <laughs> incited my kids' anger and the snowball got rolling. And, you know, pretty soon it was, uh, was a mess we call crazy mom. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. No, I've, I'm, I've never experienced that ever. <laughs> <laughs> the reactive. How old are your kids, Heather? Uh, six, eight, 10, 12. Yeah, see, so you, you understand these ideas better with kids that your kids ages are now than we did when our kids were your age. So you're, 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 you're doing awesome. I'm in process. I'm in process. Well, one of the things that would cause a lot of stress in perhaps our home, and I don't think I'm alone in this, is uh, when I see, you know, I, my boys feel safe, they feel loved, but they aren't quite convinced that they're capable. I'm not really coaching them in a certain area that's a cultural ac epidemic mm -hmm. of entitlement. Mm -hmm. uh, entitlement. And so let's take a second. I mean, it's a really 
popular thing to talk about, but let's take a second and define what it is, what it isn't, because I think sometimes we throw our kids under the bus and and it's really just their personality processing a situation and we misinterpret it as, well, you're just so entitled, Mm -hmm. but they're really just wanting to talk through a scenario. I had, I mentioned this in last week's episode, I make chocolate covered strawberries, a child wants to know, um, is that it? (laughs) And he's not asking that because it's it's not enough. I I deserve more. It's more he's processing. Well, okay, there's this many, we have this many kids, how many would each kid get he's problem solving and and it comes off of I could interpret it as oh, you're so entitled. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So what is it? What is it not? Well, we really like to talk with parents about going down under the surface of what's happening, both in the parent and the child, to the level of beliefs. What are the child's beliefs about life? And, you know, with groups, we'll say, okay, what do you, what do your kids believe about life, about them, about you, about the world around them that is feeding entitled behavior? And that sort of takes it out of the realm of this kid just loves mom's chocolate covered strawberries and he's really hungry. And it puts it into being more thoughtful in a way that we have something that we can work with. If we understand our kids' beliefs under the surface that are really linked to entitlement, then we can begin to help um, just guide those beliefs to a different place. Well, um, I mean, I want to talk about it even just much more simply than that. Entitlement is at the core a belief that I deserve something because I'm more important than someone else. Uh, I deserve to be front in line. I deserve to to get the best, up, you know, the best education that money can buy. I deserve to have the best equipment um, because because I deserve it. The newest toy. I deserve this toy. Yeah, I deserve yeah, this food. Thing. I mean, when you said the thing about the strawberries, I thought you were going someplace that I went as an entitled youngster. When when you know my mom made. Uh, this big plan for me to have a really cool Epicurean 18th birthday party. And instead that was a dupe. She, she was going to surprise me with a bus party with all of my best friends and have sloppy Joe's. And after the party was over, it was a great party. And I don't, I probably didn't say thank you to mom. I just was like, that was, you know, that was fun. Great party, whatever. When do I get my Epicurean meal? And she about flattened me on the spot. <laughs> right. And my attitude there was coming out of a place of entitlement. Hey, I'm 18. I'm the firstborn. You told me I was going to get this really special thing and I didn't get it yet. Right. Come on, get with the program. And at the core of so. So what Lynn is talking about at one level is as parents, we have subtle entitlement attitudes as well. Um, maybe we notice it when we're driving and somebody cuts us into, you know, takes the position we'd like to be in or gets to the parking spot that we wanted. To, to be in next or uh, got in front of us quick in the grocery line when we thought we should get there first. And then we get frustrated and we get mad at that person for being so rude. Uh, uh, but at the core of all of it, I mean, entitlement is about this, our, our sin nature. It's about a sin problem. It's about the fact that all of us um, left to our own devices care mostly about ourselves. Right. Right. And, um, and, we're born into that, and it's a problem not just about our behavior relative to Epicurean meals or strawberries, but about life and something that ultimately needs to be reconciled to God through Christ because we can't fix it without him. So kids end up believing things like the world is here for me. I deserve to be served. The world revolves around me. Whatever I want is most important. My parents' job is to make me happy. 
those kind of underlying beliefs really drive entitlement. And it's been partly because of the parenting trend that we're child focused, Mm -hmm. the helicopter parenting or the it's whatever kids want to do. Or for me, you know, when my kids were little, it was like everything revolved around nap times, meal times, whatever they needed to make them happy. Obviously, you know, there's a balance there, but yeah, um, I was probably swung more towards it was all about them and what their interests were over anything we were interested in. Uh, so it's part of of parent a parenting trend that we're now recovering from. It's partly I was reading in the Bible about the last days. Doesn't it say <laughs> lovers of self and yeah, yeah. children will be disobedient to their parents yeah, and all the yeah. things they're struggling with? I was like, it's a sign of the times, really. It's a sign of the times, I and so. um, yeah. Yeah. So as believers, so that is what's true out in the world and in our own hearts. And as believers, like what you're saying is call it out, recognize it, realize that our bent is towards self naturally, but we choose a bent towards God. And it's like a daily (laughs) surrender of that. Mm -hmm. Of course, I want to be front in line. Of course I do. I do too. Like coming alongside our kids instead of saying, my kids have a problem with entitlement, recognizing we, that the mm-hmm. issue isn't us versus them. Right. I think approaching it yeah. differently, too. Sure. When you think of all the things that parents are entitled to, just even that their technology would work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or that, you know, <laughs> I should, I I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not really good at this. And so someone else should do it for me at work or whatever it is. Um, but a big one is that we as parents feel entitled to grateful, hardworking kids. <laughs> oh, right. And when right. we when we don't get them and we have ungrateful, uh, resistant to chores kids, then we get pretty upset. And that shows I feel entitled to have mm-hmm. things go my way in the home instead of like, oh, wow, we got some challenges here that I could partner with Jesus and really dive into. <laughs> yeah, one of our staff uh, coaches, parent coaches, acknowledged and recognized in his own young parenting that he had this this belief system that that kept circulating as a statement and he would even say it to his wife i shouldn't have to deal with this right <laughs> and he he heard himself saying that frequently and then he realized that that was in and of itself an entitlement sort of a statement uh, mm. and that he needed to take that thought captive to christ's obedience and and um you know let god by by the still small voice of his spirit reshape that sentiment because every time his daughter would rise up against him in a certain way chad would essentially and this is you know the story he would tell put put my hands on my hips and throw my brow and raise my voice and i wouldn't say i shouldn't have to deal with this but that's what i communicated to my daughter every time which made her feel like somehow she's inferior to me deficient defective and it didn't matter what the issue was um and so when i was able to take my hands off my hips and step back and go hey you're really struggling again how can i how can i help you get through this well um everything changed for him in terms of dealing with that daughter and those repeated troubles they didn't go away overnight of course but but he felt much better when his head hit the pillow at night about the parent he had been in the middle of that challenge And that's what letting go of our own entitlement helps us to do, because now we're models of letting go of the stuff that we want to address in our kids. That's what's so great about going back to the framework is 
this is, I've, I've parents email me about issues they have with their kids and how can they fix them? And I think, well, you know, typically most of it starts with us, that foundation. And yep. <laughs> what? Yep. We can't just point out all their errors and criticize all their issues and think that it doesn't maybe have a root in how we're responding and behaving. I mean, any yeah. nan- nanny 911 episode points that out. But <laughs> the, right. the, attitude that we take when we approach this. So that's what I feel like you all have addressed in this first part is let's think through our attitude. Let's think through our own approach. Let's think through this so we can have that foundation of you are safe now to talk about entitlement because I am dealing with my own rights and opinions. And then you've got the love of I love you enough to not let you continue this way because it doesn't, it's not how God uh, instructs us to behave. It's not how Jesus lived his life. And so then you can move to that third. You're capable of another way. Yeah. Right. And you're right. capable of doing a hard thing. So um, let's talk through that. How do we practically start delivering that message? How do we coach our kids into letting go of entitlement? Well, I want to um, just kind of take it to a, 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 do- a, a brain chemistry level because that'll sort of okay. help. Um, make that transition. Uh, dopamine is something that fires over anything new and exciting and pleasurable. And so um, if kids are sort of low on dopamine and we come in and um, get stressed and angry with them, that depletes that dopamine even more. And then they're more driven to entitlement. So to, to get that burst from something new, exciting, pleasurable. And so that's where the, the safe and love launches us when that when they're, we're giving them dopamine in the context of relationship, then it's easy to move dopamine into also that you are capable message. It's like, wow, look what you can accomplish. Um, we have to find alternative ways for kids to get that dopamine. Otherwise, they're going to be stuck on new, shiny and avoiding chores. <laughs> and so... Um, Part of the shift is to understand what's going on in their brains and particularly kids with that are more highly distractible or super creative. Those are the ones that struggle with this the most. And we might brand that child. You're so entitled. But what really that child needs is they need us to help them value and enjoy hard work. Um, and feel good about accomplishments and learn to self-affirm and sort of give themselves those little dopamine bursts for having accomplished something. Mm -hmm. So instead of just us riding them harder, which depletes that dopamine and makes them more um, entitled and resistant to chores and wanting shiny stuff, um, we have to help them really kind of reprogram how they think about life and to get excited about accomplishing little things and working hard and, you know, being responsible. Yeah, early on, we didn't really understand, you know, the the brain research and the study and the ability that science now has to understand the effects of brain chemistry on our behavior is really quite new. I mean, in the last decade, more and more has been written and talked about as it's been discovered. Um, We knew as young parents that if we could find ways to to choose joy in all of the different circumstances and figure out ways to make hard things fun and celebrate success and and make that be a positive, uh, joy-filled sort of an experience, that that would reinforce that behavior again in the future. 
Uh, and what we learned over time was is that that's because we were helping our kids' brains release p- pleasure chemicals in the middle of doing hard things uh, in, in such a way that they felt good about doing those hard things again in the future. Uh, and the other thing that we came to realize as we've looked at this 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 new science is that <clears throat> Uh, you know, our brains as parents, we, we get dopamine jolts too. So when our child scores the goal after we bought them the new hockey stick or or football pads and they score the touchdown, we get a dopamine jolt and it reinforces our willingness to listen to the child next week who's, you know, whose shoe got a little tatter in it and he doesn't like his shoes anymore to say, oh, honey, I'll get you that new shoe. <laughs> Uh, without really starting to think about, you know, what's going on. And and it's a good, it's a God-given miracle, really. I mean, I think dopamine, especially for young moms, is a necessary component of getting through the difficult, difficult, difficult days of early childhood with their kids and getting up in the night and dealing with screaming and sick and, you know, all of the different things. It's like you get one moment of that glance at the child and the soft skin against yours and the dopamine burst. And it's like, man, that's enough. That's enough uh, of a of a hit of that to get me through another few days of this. And so it's good. Yeah. My brain just went on a rabbit trail where I was thinking about how the impact of um, cell phones on missing those dopamine moments. <laughs> I'm curious oh, right. if yeah, because yeah, sure. of the distraction, you miss that cute glance up or you mm-hmm. miss them. You're yeah. not really clued into it. Anyway, I'm just curious if it's then that's what's robbing moms to think of the joy of those little years to then. Yeah, go back to the phone. Anyway, but I wanted to touch on something you guys said about um, this whole, they do hard things, they accomplish them, the dopamine's released. Because mm-hmm. I know my parenting, I would avoid forcing my boys to do hard things because um, I want them to love me. That's my own foundational mm-hmm, issues mm-hmm. of like needing their approval, needing their acceptance, wanting them to be happy. So I don't want to make them do something hard because then they might be upset with me and yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like that feeling. Yeah. So I don't ask them and I'm actually robbing them of yeah. the mm-hmm. thing that's good that turn, you know, we have we have in our parenting shifted a lot of that. And our boys are a lot more involved in helping around the house than they were maybe five years ago, but that was the mental process I went through. And I'm sure the young mom listening is, well, you know what, just go ahead and just go ahead and watch that show. I'll clean up the dishes after dinner. You know, you sit down on the couch and it's fine. I'll whatever, um, Mm -hmm. do fold the laundry. So we're actually not only setting up kids that are entitled, but we're robbing them of that satisfaction and, like you yep. said, the brain chemistry that's actually positive that maybe as we see these preteens and teens that are more depressed and more mm-hmm. suicidal, like that this is the brain chemistry is all interacting yeah. to cause these feelings of not um, not being satisfied. Yeah. And there's when we do workshops live with groups around this topic, we invite parents to think, all right, what are some of the things parents do with good intentions? Right. But but that. But that rob kids of this opportunity or that reinforce entitlement and it's it's doing things, you know, the kind of answers they come up with are doing things for kids they're capable of doing 
themselves or doing doing hard things that my kids could learn to do because it's so much more efficient and easy for me to do it and so much less trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we and the trouble being the bad attitude. Yeah, the trouble being yeah. the battle. I'd rather just not have that battle today. I'll just go ahead and do yep. it. So we almost associate our connection with incapability in our kids with with right. a, a, a primitive nurturing that was helpful when they were young, but is no longer helpful. So as, as we can shift from needing to over-serve, over-protect, over-indulge to get our little dopamine connection <laughs> with them to as we shift to like, oh, how could I build a value of this yeah. um, and get excited about that, then that gives us a different source of dopamine other than coddling our kids. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say we've confused what it means to make our kids feel special mm-hmm. with what it means for us to feel special. So think about the first birthday party. Uh, how many kids remember their first birthday party and all the special feelings they got from mom and dad with the cake on the <laughs> right. table and the mess on the face and the hundred pictures and the songs and the candles and the laughing. And, and then the child gets overwhelmed and has a screaming fit and we put him to bed and everybody feels good about it. Um, you were at my son's party? What? <laughs> I didn't know you no, all I was then. at my son's party and it hasn't changed did. in three decades. He literally, he literally <laughs> cried when we all started singing. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. that, I mean, we put so much into the first birthday party and how special. That's not about a kid's dopamine. That's about a parent's dopamine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, right. and we feed ourselves. And, you know, once once kids start to become capable to do stuff for themselves, we have to recognize that and stop feeding our own dopamine charges and figure out how to help our kids learn to self-regulate their body chemistries of all kinds. And that is to put them in situations where where they learn to do things for themselves and feel good about it. And and so when the little two year old uh, Eli, who lived with us many years ago, um, uh, you know, it was time for him to learn to set the table. And, you know, most parents will have their kids learn to set the table and it'll be great. And then they'll forget and it'll be, you know, next week we have to do it again. And and once the kids learn, we just expect that they're going to do it with a joyful heart and a grateful attitude from now on. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we just worked with this little fella, uh, not in an overcharged, this is all about you sort of a way, but, you know, you're you're doing a really good thing here to be a blessing to people and you're learning and this is really good. You put the plate there and you put the fork there and um, you just helped. You blessed us. You um, made life easier on the person who prepared the meal so that they could focus on the meal while you helped with the dishes. I mean, and he's only two and a half and he's can't process all of this except he knows that it feels good. And then and then he starts coming and asking if he can set the table. And, and, and then little by little over time, you know, now as a nine-year-old, 10-year-old little guy, he's just, he loves helping. He loves serving. He's got the heart to bless other people. He has a sensitivity to how other people experience the good things that he does as a blessing. Mm -hmm. And that's really the, the, the picture that we want to paint for parents about growing their kids away from a sense of entitlement and toward a sense of, of what we call the bigger yes of God's blessing for them and for other people through their lives. And when we operate in God's blessing, it's a dopamine rush. Mm -hmm. So I want to give it, you asked for a practical example of this, and I want to share a story that I share sometimes um, related to messes, you know, and how kids will just make a mess and kind of hope that somebody else will clean it up. And, you know, if you you get on them, then they get sour. And um, so I was scheming one time about what sort of consequence I could give my kids that would make sure they would never drop another 
item in the main areas of the house, you know, and I'm taking it all personally, like you put that backpack back there. So I had to pick it up, you know, it's like, I'm just, my brain is going to crazy places. So I'm sitting down and and thinking through what consequence is going to be my next power trick. And and I stopped and said, "Um, let's see, I should probably ask Jesus what he would do if they were his kids. So I, I didn't want to ask, but I, I prayed that quick prayer. Lord, what would you do if they were your kids? And I felt like he said, you know, never know how the Holy Spirit works, but I felt like he said, I'd clean with them and enjoy the result. And I was like, oh, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> but I, but he, he understands how our brains are worked. And dopamine is released through connection, accomplishment, celebration, new things. And so trying to bring connection and creativity into the cleaning and then a sense of accomplishment. That was how my kids could learn to clean. And let me tell you, the ADHD genes were rampant in our family. Um, I blame Lynn. (laughs) I blame both of us. Uh, But, uh, as we, as I, as I shifted that approach, I could sense a difference in, in my kids' hearts and my daughter who, you know, she's in her twenties, but she is, has been neater than most of her college roommates by far. And she didn't start out in life that way, but it was that mm-hmm. learning to associate pleasure chemicals with the hard work, the clean environment, how I'm ready for guests. That was another thing. We're called to be ready for guests at any time so we can welcome people. And that's part of why we really want to work hard at having a clean home. So I'm building in that value of ministering to others as I'm cleaning and celebrating and working alongside Mm -hmm. my kids. I love that example. And so the mom listening, she's like, okay, I get it. I've got, I've got entitlement in my own heart. We're going to work on this with my kids so that I don't rob them of the chance of this positive experience. I'm going to try something out tonight. She's got this plan. So then she <laughs> uh-huh. presents it as, okay, you're going to set the table, or maybe it's you're going to clear the table at the end of the meal, or you're going to uh, whatever it is. And she's met with, yep. no, I'm not, or like some horrible, worse attitude or mm-hmm. uh, calling names or whatever it is. And she gets discouraged and she's like, well, that didn't work. What? Yeah. And right. you said, you know, and maybe she tried turning on music. Maybe she tried having a positive attitude. And then it doesn't work. And so we give up. Yeah. What can you give an, you know, let's talk through when the bad attitudes show up. Let's talk through. Yeah. So how do, re- how do we respond? Um, yeah. What we what we found about that, it's, it's actually super common uh, in that as soon as parents start to see this entitlement issue for what it is, they want to make big changes fast. Like, oh, gosh, we've been way off track. I got to I got to push my kids harder. I got to do more to help them understand their responsibilities around here. And and parents tend to kind of want to make this big leap from where they're at to where they want to go. Right. Um, and what we found is that that usually backfires and and tends to make matters worse, not better, not just in the short term, but even in the long run. Um, and so we invite parents to slow down a little bit and start to consider, well, how, what's it like to be my child in the midst of this struggle? How am I seeing things differently than how they're seeing things? And so in our in our online course about entitlement, we introduce this this chart that we won't have time to to go through in depth here. Um, but it really invites parents to go through this thing that we call the yes, no, maybe chart. Okay. Which is which is it's it's really just a simple chart that says what are the what are what are the absolute yeses in this household? What are the things that because we're the 
you know, we're the McFadden's or we're the Jackson's or whatever are going to be true about us. Um, rights that we have. Rights that we have, the stuff we're going to have. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a roof over our head. We're going to provide one recreational or one extracurricular activity for each of our kids. Uh, we're going to, uh, and, give them and healthy meals. we're going to healthy give them healthy meals. food and we're going to, um, have decent clothing. decent clothing and, you know, whatever it is, those are the, those are the things that the people in this household have as rights that as they truly are, because you're a member of this family, you're going to get this stuff. You're entitled to it. It's yours. Um, uh, and and there's no right or wrong answer about what that is. But do I, as a parent, understand how I'm thinking about this? And then um, and then what are the privileges that that our kids have? What are the things that they have that they get? Maybe, you know, what are what's the stuff that the, and the maybe is about? Well, uh, if you do this responsibility, you can have this privilege. If you um, get to bed at this certain time, then you can have this privilege. If you do this certain thing, then you can have that certain privilege. How do we as parents understand what that is? And then what are the responsibilities? How do we understand? What are the responsibilities of each person in this family? How do we understand that? How do we talk about that? Um, And then what is the stuff that's off limits? So that's the yes and the no and the maybes. Um, and the maybes are tied up in the in the privileges and the responsibilities. So we invite parents to go through this and think about it in terms of how do you think about this list? Fill it out. What are the things you as a parent would say are the rights? What are the things you as a parent would say are the privileges? What are the things you as a parent would say are responsibilities? And, and what are the things that are off limits? Okay, now just fill out that list. And most of the time, parents will fill it out and they'll go, well, yeah, here's the list. And this is what we think. And man, this isn't how our kids see it. So we're going to go tell them how, how to think about this. <laughs> That's where we get in trouble right there, because because if our kids don't think about it the same way that we do right now, that's not their problem. That's our problem. That means we haven't communicated as clearly as we could. We've expected that because it's in our brain, it somehow has 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 by osmosis gotten into our kids brains or because of the thing that I did. I just think that they know what it means and have interpreted the meaning properly. Well, most of the time, that's not true. Most of the time, if, if we ask parents to think about this list and then say, well, now, if we were to give this sheet to your kids and you weren't in the room and we were to ask them the same question, how would your kids fill this out? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, parents feel pretty lost about that question. Like, they're not sure. Some of them would say, well, our kids might be harder on themselves than we are. And some would say, geez, our kids don't think anything is a responsibility. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so on. Well, it's like, okay, so now how do you want to how, how do you want to start moving toward a little bit of a, a more similarity in how you all see it. How do you want to talk about this with your kids before you just start putting big changes in place? Because um, if we just go at them with our list and our big expectations, but they see it so differently than us, they're just going to feel more misunderstood, more invalidated, and ultimately more entitled to the stuff that they think matters most. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, so, the, like so the little steps... Mm-hmm. that we might suggest are, Lynn? <laughs> well, really starting to talk, again, going back to that thing of, of helping kids understand our intent between having privileges and responsibilities versus just giving them everything as a right. Because if we communicate, I'm sick of doing all the work around here and I want you to share the load because you're just a, you know sitting on your lazy butt with your screen, that's not going to get us anywhere. But if we can truly get our hearts to a place where we're going, man, I want to build in my kids that sense of responsibility. And here's even some research about how um, kids that are 
responsible in the chores in their own home are the most likely to succeed in the workplace, which is actually true research. Um, I I haven't done a good job of helping you learn to be responsible. So there's some things that are going to change here and we want your input and we want to problem solve, but we do need to make some changes because I've dropped the ball in helping you learn to value responsibility. Mm -hmm. And then as we discuss this, then we can begin to link privileges with responsibilities, which is the real bottom line in a calm, respectful way. Um, You know, so just... A great example is our staff person, um, His uh, their dog died and they kids wanted a new one. And so they were like, okay, let's go get another dog. And like, no, really, the, the we didn't see responsibility in taking care of that dog um, like we would need to, to go get another one. And we're not really seeing responsibility in chores yet. And I want to help you and help you learn to grow. And so th- it took them two years before he was able to coach those kids in responsibility in their chores and then have a really specific plan about how they were going to take care of the new dog and be responsible for it. So he he got emails with puppy pictures for two years (laughs) before they had really gotten to a place where they were ready for that Mm -hmm. privilege. That course sounds super, super helpful, and I'll make sure to link it in the show notes. We'll be talking about it all month. I'll be sharing little bits about it so moms and dads can get on the same page because mm-hmm. I could see how this could cause division uh, in a marriage. Let's For say sure. yeah. mom is re- mom is really on board and working hard on mm-hmm. it and even working on – I'm thinking of these incidental purchases. Uh, you you all go to a movie and, and mom's, you know, looking at, well, we go, going to the movie is the privilege – but it's not guaranteed that we're also going to get popcorn and drink and candy for each person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But dads, you know, maybe dad grew up in a home that that's what we did. We always got popcorn and drink and, you know, he feels entitled to mm-hmm. that and the movie. Mm-hmm. So then the kids are taking on uh, an attitude of, but I love that you're saying as a family, what are our yeses? What are our no's? We're not saying one's right or one's yeah. wrong, but what are you assuming is a given yep. at every time we go somewhere we get a souvenir. I remember on our honeymoon, I, we were in Hawaii and I just kept stopping in the little shops. Like, aren't we going to get something? And my husband (laughs) grew up going on mission trips and he's like, why do we keep going in these shops? We're in Hawaii. Let's go to Hawaii. But in my mind, we're entitled to also get a little something to remind us of our time. And he's like, that's a waste of money. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, all these things for marriage. Right out of the shoots in your marriage. Yep. Right. (laughs) Another thing about this chart that that people will learn and that we get most excited about, actually, is is um, the far right side column uh, of this chart, which is left blank when parents first see it. So they don't even know what it's about. Mm -hmm. But then as we as we unfold the teaching, how do we address the attitude from a child that says, I want this now? Or how do we address the attitude that says, I don't want to do it. Somebody else should do it. And, you know, we, we unpack sort of those two different strong dynamics. Um, but at the core, um, either, either well, you need to do it now or no, you can't have it, is not enough to, okay. to squelch the, the entitlement momentum. Uh, because then it's just power struggles between parents and kids. We need something else. And what's in that right column, and we invite parents to really explore and dig into and do some work, even on their own, to understand is what's the bigger yes. So if we've got a right in this household to have food, 
why would God bless us with food? What's the big yes behind having food in this house? Uh, that God, why did God bless us with food so that we can be a blessing to other people, so that we can share some of that food in our hospitality nights, mm-hmm. so that we can um, be healthy and strong to do the work uh, on the mission trip or uh, on the on the building project in partnership with the church. The bigger yes is a yes of God's ultimate big purposes for us is that we are blessed, uh, and you go all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant to live out this purpose, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing, so that we can be a blessing in a way that invites people into the joy of life that is truly life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Paul and in his instructions to Timothy to, uh, in talking to people of wealth, and I would suggest that we in America, pretty much anybody who's wealthy enough to have the technology by which to listen to this podcast qualifies as wealthy. And Paul invites uh, Timothy to confront. El- so Timothy's this young missionary, and he invites him basically to, to suggest to the wealthy uh, that they need to live in a way that is a blessing to the world. Um, command those, he says, and here I'm digging it up, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in that wealth, which is also uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, um, which is really the gateway to, the, well, there's where there's why we ought to be grateful, because we're provided for in a way that, that um we experience the fullness of God's blessing. So how do we want to then share that out? How do we want to pass that on? And so the big yes of privileges, what are the, if you've got a, if you've got a privilege, why would God bless you with that privilege? What's the purpose of that privilege? If you're a star on a sports team and you get a medal, why, uh, why did God give you that talent? So that you could have a trophy on the mantle or so that you could have a ministry platform in your athletic field of choice and introduce other people to God's redemptive purposes and the joy of life that is truly life. Um, And so we we have a big, long conversation about that with with parents, because ultimately it's not it can't be just about yes and no and maybe and rights and privileges and responsibilities. It has to be about God's purposes for us and for our lives and in you know, functioning in God's purposes is the ultimate dopamine jolt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you saw that in how I responded yeah. to the, the messes. It's like we're created to, to welcome people in our homes. We're created for our lives to be efficient enough that we can use our gifts to be a blessing. So keeping our work surfaces neat um, helps us to walk in our calling. Uh, you know, just the, the different ways we, we even dealt with um, screen time challenges with a sense of what we're created for in real three-dimensional life. We tell that story in the course and how that really turned the tide in our power struggles over screen time with our oldest son. Uh, it was the biggest, it was the big yes that really changed that mm-hmm. that power struggle for us. And I think it comes down to you believing it as a parent in your own heart, you choosing it in your own heart so that when it's communicated, it's not yeah. a coming down like we should have a good attitude mm-hmm. because God wants to use us. And it's the tone like yeah. y'all's tone <clears throat> is coming alongside. It's loving. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's a be- here's what it's I'm a learning. Belief. Here's where yes. I felt convicted. Yes. Yes. Here's where I've here's where I found a joy that's better than just the temporary joy of getting a new TV. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm, I'm learning and growing in that myself. And it's really exciting. And I'd love you to be a part of it with me. Um, let's, let's do this together. Let's have guests together. Let's, let's have someone in our home together and be a part of this as a family of blessing somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, you're right. And Heather, you, you, you keep doing this, uh, which is a great encouragement to Lynn and I, um, you keep coming back to the foundation Mm. and to this foundational stuff uh, and to understanding that at the end of the day, growth in any of these ideas ultimately isn't about a quick fix formula for getting kids to do what we need them to do in order to be okay. It's about learning to be okay apart from all of that external stuff because of what Jesus has done on our behalf at the cross and drawn us into a redemptive relationship with the God of the universe like if we really walk and believe in that in the craziness of our modern day, you know, that's how that's how we learn to do good deeds and be generous and be willing to share and lay up treasure for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that we can take hold of the life that is truly life. That's the first Timothy six passage. Like when we believe that stuff and we walk in it and we fight for it. Uh, it's compelling. And our kids watch that and they see the joy that we experience in that. And it, inclines them it doesn't guarantee but it inclines them to want that yeah oh y'all thank you so much i will definitely uh share in the show notes how people can connect with you but if they are doing something right now and they're listening and they want to write it down where can they find you online we are at connectedfamilies.org Um, There's a spot to sign up for our our weekly blog. There's um, information about our resources, which includes our online courses. Yeah. And Heather, thanks for having us and and, uh, uh, seeing beneath the surface of a lot of the things that we're taught as parents to just manage kids' behavior and and to get into the depth of our kids' hearts and to acknowledge the the difficulty, the messes, the the challenge, the, the, cha- the grown-up challenges that we face in doing that, but to just face it with authenticity and in real ways, and then share this message with so many—it's awesome. Yeah, well, so I appreciate y'all. I'm thankful. Well, I've been likewise. a recipient of of uh, personal coaching, which has helped our family greatly. So I'm a big, big fan. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan. So all y'all do. Well, thank you. Thanks. You're stuck with me. <laughs> well, we love it. We love that idea. <laughs> okay. When I told Pri- when I told my second son, I, you know, that I had this interview, he goes, "Oh, you mean that couple we met at at the church?" Oh. And he ha- so he, it's stuck. Y'all, y'all are sticky. So that's <laughs> nice. good. What that's he meant good. was that's that that, that funny bearded guy that if ran you, up you, and you down. You mean the guy who broke the rules at Watermark with us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's breaking the church rules. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh well, thanks, y'all. Y'all have a good rest of your week. Thanks, Heather. You too. God bless. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Okay. So now you've learned about dopamine. Don't you love that? And it has been so helpful to me. And I would suggest, like Jim and Lynn did, that this is a take it slow kind of thing. Don't take this on as your job for the day is to fix your kids' entitled attitudes in this moment. Um, I hope it's a starting point. All month, I'll be reminding you about their course uh, for every episode. I'll do a little blurb about the Entitlement Fix course. If you do want to go check it out after listening to Jim and Lynn, go to godcentermom.com forward slash entitlement. I know for myself, I was sitting in our Tin and Bray. It's a Good Friday service. 
and I had a boy on each side of me. And throughout the whole service, someone was asking for something or was getting frustrated that they needed to use the restroom, but I wanted them to wait until it was a good moment because it's a kind of intense service, like a almost like attending a funeral. It's pretty, you know, somber. And or another one, you know, they're just making noise. And I just felt in my own heart that entitlement. Uh, this moment of, oh my goodness, I feel entitled to a quiet, calm, good Friday service. And I had to check my own attitude. And when we started seeing Re- Reckless Love, which if you haven't heard that song, please uh, go check that out. And we're listening to the song and I'm thinking this song is about us being overwhelmed by the amazing love of God that he would leave the 99, you know, the parable of leaving the 99 sheep to go look for the one and how he would search for us and do anything for us. And I'm sitting here thinking it's not enough. I'm more thinking, why didn't you love me better to give me kids who could just sit and listen in the service? So. Um, maybe this week isn't about fixing your kids. Maybe like me, you are going to do some heart work on uh, your own beliefs about how your kids should or shouldn't be and what you deserve. Um, definitely struck a chord with me this week. And once again, you can find that pyramid of the Connected Families framework over at my site, godcentermom.com. I put it in the show notes. Thanks, y'all. Uh, y'all been so great. All of you GCM Podcast Club members have been asking me, will there be a summer of mentorship this summer? Well, I think there should be. So I'm working on putting that together. If you have a podcast club and you are planning ahead, uh, plan ahead for summer of mentorship. Take two. Um, and I'll be working on that curriculum if you're curious, what is a podcast club? You can go to godcentermom.com forward slash podcast club and you will find details there. Super simple, super organic. I provide curriculum and you do all the rest. I even am a part of a little podcast club with some of my friends and we get together once a month and just talk about one of the episodes. And so it's just uh, a way to touch base with your people and make sure that you're staying in their life. And then this is just content to discuss and talk about and work through together. But um, anyway, I just don't want you all to mom alone and to make sure you remember that this is not an easy job you've been given to steward a soul. Uh, God is with you, though, and he has great plans for your kids and for you through all of this. So Lean into him and his power through you. I was reading again in Ephesians. Y'all are going to keep hearing about Ephesians, about how he can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I was thinking about how often I'm trying to orchestrate things in my family. If I would release them to God, he could do it so much better than I could imagine it would be. And his power is so much better than I could even hope to muster in my own strength. So I hope this is all an encouragement to you. Go out and do the work that he's put in your hands to do uh, in the home and outside the home. Y'all are amazing mamas and um, and the few dads out there. Shout out to the dads. Thanks for listening. Appreciate y'all. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know 
that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping Him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and He is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love and He will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.